Hello everyone and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 39th episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host Zach Pensack alongside my friend safe in the security of his own home, Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you today? Footy, Zach. Self-quarantined footy. Do you, do you want to provide a little bit more context as to why you're self-quarantined <laughs> at the moment? Uh, I have an upper respiratory virus. Um, I do not have COVID-19. Um, that has been confirmed. Um, but I am here in the comfort of my own home recording for the second pod in a row. So um, self-quarantined footy it is. Self-quarantined footy it is. So I'm glad we could dispel uh, any concerns for, for your safety uh, right from the off. But we are, yeah, again, doing doing another remote remote episode it is uh trying times in the world right now so um, this unfortunately might be a uh, a uh, something that occurs a couple more times before before the season ends yep i think you're right it's going to be a really really tough time for for for, for i think for a while now hopefully we'll still have some footy to report on in the next <laughs> few weeks yeah that that's a bigger issue i guess well anyhow while we do still have at least some footy to report on we will do so, uh, going from the top of the table to the bottom, uh, a couple blips in the radar for uh, a couple teams at the top. So, some exciting movements around. We see some rare red X's in the last five match form for both Liverpool, City, and even a couple for Leicester. So, nobody in the top four clean at the moment. Whereas at the bottom, you do have some teams starting to climb the table. So, n- not a lot of movement in the middle, but some interesting uh, clubs and runs of form at both ends. Yeah, you finally seen Liverpool lose a game. I think that was the biggest news since our last pod. Um, they lost that game 3-0 at Watford, which we'll cover here in a second. City have actually lost more games this season now in second place than Arsenal have in ninth place. Isn't that a shocking stat? It is a shocking stat. Um, yeah, it is pretty crazy. Man City has had this like really, you know, very disappointing season for a number of reasons but uh the the inability to kind of string a, a number of wins together has been one of those reasons so starting from the top though i mean we might as well just jump right into it as we've kind of uh touched on the top two teams uh both the top two have lost a match in the last two so liverpool's uh loss coming two matches ago and that was at the hands of watford of all teams certainly one of the teams that nobody really expected them to lose to in the second half of this season yeah, I would say um, definitely a surprise. One of those unpredictable teams, though, Watford under Nigel Pearson. You know, you're not quite sure what you're going to get from them. They uh, they go and stuff Liverpool three nil, and the following week lose to Crystal Palace one nil. So just unpredictable right now, but certainly some talent in that team. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Liverpool, though, a, a disappointing loss, but I, I think you touched on something uh, good. Is, is there some silver lining in this one for for Liverpool? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Liverpool have um, now got that monkey off their back a little bit of, you know, the pressures of the invincible season. Um, and right now they only have two two more wins to go um, to secure the title. So silver linings in some ways and the pressure's off, but not a great day for, for Liverpool today either, getting knocked out of the Champions League. It's been a, it's been a tough, tough kind of run of fixtures for Liverpool of recent weeks. Yeah, especially you know late and extra time they get the goal that that should see them through, and then shipping two goals in twelve minutes uh, to Urente on Atletico Madrid to get knocked out of the Champions League. So it is all about the prem for Liverpool at this point, um, and it will be interesting uh, to see kind of how that season ends because you know ultimately their season will essentially end in two matches if they get six points. 
Yeah, you're right. Essentially, there's that that they're playing for, and obviously that's the big one that they're trying to win. Um, but also, they've been knocked out of the FA Cup. They lost to Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. Now they're out of the Champions League, so it legitimately is the only trophy that they can take home this year. Yeah, uh, just a, an odd element to what is turning into an odd season. Uh, next two matches for Liverpool away at Everton, at home to Palace. I mean, obviously on on this season's form, regardless of who they're playing, you could see them getting those six points that they need to, to lift the title. Um, but yeah, we'll see if by the next time we record, they are champions of England. Yeah, it should be interesting. So if they take six points there, obviously you mentioned that it's uh, it's it's in the bag. But if they don't, their next game in the Premier League is actually away at City. So um, can you imagine them going and winning the title at City? That would be an interesting scenario there to have, have happen. Yeah, I think that that would probably be a bit gratifying for them, although it did mean that they, they dropped points. But at this point, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter as, as they have uh, had that invincible uh, label taken away from them before they even had it. Uh, going on to City, uh, as Ooh, you one, said... One sorry, more thing, Zach. One more yeah. thing I want to bring up. Jurgen Klopp's comments after the game against Atletico today. Did you catch those? I did not, actually. He basically criticized Atletico for the way they set up their stall and the way that they played the game. They said with the attacking, he said with the attacking talent that they have in the team, um, it was very disappointing to see the way that they came and approached the game in terms of being set up so defensively. Sore losers always have an excuse. There, uh, surprising for me though, right? You, you wouldn't expect that out of Klopp, you know. Liverpool are one of the best teams in the world, if not the best club team in the world, I would say in the last year. Um, you beat them however you can. You you don't yeah. worry about you don't worry about like playing pretty attractive football. You get you get the win, and that's what Atletico did, did today. So yeah, maybe it's an element of Klopp has never managed uh, the best team in the world before. Um, you know, during his time at Dortmund, he was always overshadowed by by Bayern Munich. So maybe it's this kind of like almost inferiority complex in a way. Yeah, could be that. No, you're you're the man now, Klopp. You got to kind of. Have, have a little bit of humble pie from time to time. That's true. Um, so so on to City, though, at second. A, as we mentioned before, seven losses this year. Uh, only had four of all of last season. And there are a number of players out of form right now for the Citizens. Yeah, not not playing well right now, I would say. Let's add that to that list. Raheem Sterling. Um, worries about him for the Euros in terms of just being in, in poor form right now. Bernardo Silva has done nothing this season. He's the shadow of the player he was last year and then they've got injury to Aguero and then somebody else I'd point out um, after the Man United debacle this weekend Ederson uh, he's kind of gone from hero to zero in the space of a season hasn't he yeah he has he's kind of emblematic of the entire season that Man City has had in a way speaking of emblems um, he has many all over his body so if he spent maybe less time getting tattoos and more time training he he might be a better goalkeeper this season Absolutely, uh, yeah. the the emblems of the Ed- the emblems of Ederson have been his egregious downfall this season. Yeah, I think we were having conversations, if you remember, this time last year about Ederson versus Allison. Allison had a pretty high profile mistake today, but I think Allison's a much much better quality and more consistent oh, yeah. goalkeeper than Ederson. Far more assured as well, and far more, you know, you would have the confidence of him to keep kind of, uh, at, le- at least a, a more mentally, I think, stable keeper than, than Ederson, who does seem like, you know, he, he can pop at any second, um, as he did this weekend against as Manchester United, as you said. But um, City will pretty obviously cruise to a top four finish, so I, I don't think it's of too big a concern, but um, definitely it'll be interesting to see kind of the route that they take take going forward 
yeah, should be should be very interesting to see the end of the season. I think we've we've talked about City for a while now. Their their main concern, especially with the pending ban they have um, from European football, I think remains the Champions League. Now there's no more Liverpool in it, um, so that's obviously a good thing for them because Liverpool have seemed to have their number in previous seasons. So uh, sh- should make for a, an intriguing um, last round of eight here in the uh, in the Champions League. Yeah, as both of us claim to have been the one to to have called Manchester City winning this, uh, we might both be correct at the end of the season. I'm going to go back and start listening to uh, our older podcasts so I can get a definitive answer on this one, Zach. Fair enough. Uh, um, so for, from a team striving to, to win Europe to a team striving to stay in the top four, Leicester finally getting a win that, that seemed um, you know a long time coming. They were, they were in a, a fairly poor run of form. It was four games without a win previous to their victory against Villa. Um, in, in the last loss, uh, a 1-0 loss at Norwich, um, you know, it, it a pretty a pretty big slap of cold water to the face it looks like and you know similar to liverpool losing that undefeated streak maybe that loss at norwich will be you know the the kind of spark under the, the fire under the belly that that they need to, to really finish the season strong yeah exactly i think you know every team has a poor run of form even liverpool are going through theirs right now and Hopefully this was Leicester turning the corner and spanking Villa, who are now down in 19th. Um, Vardy back in the goals again, Zach. So you're yeah. probably happy with that. He's now clear, too clear at the top of the top scoring charts. But somebody that I wanted to single out for, for some praise here is Adam's stamp of approval for the week, <laughs> Harvey Barnes. Zero full international caps for England. Did you know that? Uh, it doesn't surprise me. 22, he, he, he's, he's represented them at every other level. I think he has uh, a few caps for the under-21s as well, but mm-hmm. he, he grabbed two goals at the weekend and looked in, in great form. He's one of the kind of finds of the season, if you will, for, for Leicester. You think he's uh, he's doing international call-up by Southgate here soon? Yeah, I, I wouldn't see it being surprising if he, if he got called up. I, I think that at you know at that position, at kind of that roaming 10, uh, uh, England doesn't, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying has uh, any player that is really proven on the international stage. Deli Alley probably the you know the, the most experienced of those and, and a young player he is besides that Grealish maybe James Madison as well. But no, I think that Harvey Barnes and his ability to play on the wing as well. I, I think that it would be interesting to see if he could fit into the English side. Yeah. Agree, agree. He's a uh, he's a good player, and uh, I'm interested to see how his career progresses. Um, he's at he's at the right club to to really develop him at Leicester, in my opinion. Absolutely, uh, I agree. Especially coming up through through there, he was an academy product, I believe. Um, Correct. Yeah, and so <laughs> talking about academy products, Chelsea, a team that seems to be entirely made up of academy products right now, and a lot of young, exciting English players. Uh, it it does um, it does seem like Chelsea is kind of you know getting their head on their shoulders. Uh, really just a, a phenomenal win uh, against Everton just in complete control of that entire match uh, Williams goal in particular for me was a, just a gorgeous hit a low driving shot from outside the box that that just seemed to stay three inches above the ground until it nestled in the back corner of the net uh, so uh, a big win for Lampard especially against uh, his old boss Carlo Angelotti who who managed him in uh, in Lampard's final years at Chelsea yeah, that's right. Um, so Lampard has not only beaten Ancelotti this season and given him his heaviest loss of the season, uh, but two weeks before that, he beat Jose Mourinho, another former manager. So he seems to have the number of his old bosses. It's an 
interesting one there. Uh, other than that, uh, for Lampard specifically, I just feel like he's he's ridden the storm, right? There's there's kind of been a lot of injuries. He hasn't really complained about them a lot. He's gotten on with it. Um, he's brought in youngsters. Another youngster he brought in who's come into the midfield last two games. Somebody that I was actually considering for um, my stamp of approval for the week, very close in that race, was Billy Gilmore. Um, somebody basically unknown about three weeks ago. This 18-year-old comes in, bosses the midfield in the FA Cup, beats Liverpool 2-0, and earns a man of the match award against Everton as well. And I just, I think about great academies like there's there's none better right now in the Premier League for me than Chelsea. Yeah, I'd say I'd say Liverpool is probably a close second, but I agree they are just pumping out young talent after young talent um, and it, it shows what happens when you invest so much in your academy something that you know a club like Newcastle has never really done yeah I think it's the perfect um, marrying them with Frank Lampard who's a young manager who you know obviously has the respect of those players because you know they probably remember him watching him growing up you know just the age gap isn't that great I think I think it's a it's really a match made in heaven that that, that manager and that team right now yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so Chelsea does seem to be kind of solidifying their place in the top four. But a, another team that is, you know, slowly creeping up, Manchester United. It's now ten unbeaten in all competitions. What do you think of the Red Devils at the moment? I mean, what can you say except they're doing really, really well. Um, Solskjaer gets a lot of credit here. He's had his kind of downturns this season in terms of form where he's always had his head on the chopping block consistently, but they're playing really well right now. They did the double over City in the league for the first time in a decade, Zach. That's a big, big, big achievement for them. I don't want to understate that because think about the investment that City has. Um, the money that they have, this endless supply of money to do the double over Man City is a huge deal. So credit to them there. In fact, they actually beat them three times this season. Um, Two-legged affair in the cup. They ended up losing and getting knocked out of the cup, but they actually won one of those games too. So they've beaten City three times this year. It's pretty crazy. That is pretty impressive. It also shows kind of the, you know, the changing of the times, the fact that they haven't beaten or done a double over Man City in, in a decade. It seems as though if you if you went back 20 years, it, it would probably be Man City hadn't done a double over Manchester United in a span of 50 years. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it is interesting to see that. But, yeah, really impressive run for Man United and only three points back at Chelsea. You never know what can happen as as the season kind of begins to wrap up. Yeah, it's going to be great. Shout out to Bruno Fernandes as well. He's made a huge difference since he's come in. That that chip through to, um, through to Martial for the goal, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Nice finish, yeah. too. I'm excited to see him in Euros, Bruno Fernandes playing for uh, for Portugal. So um, from a, a solitary Portuguese player to a team that is largely made up of Portuguese imports, Wolverhampton Whoosh. Wanderers, uh, you have a pretty, pretty poor uh, draw in their last match against Brighton. Um, only one shot. I remember seeing that as the uh, right when the game concluded and thinking that that must be wrong. Uh, Wolves at home against Brighton, uh, such an attacking minded team. But yeah, it, it, a really shocking you know performance from them there. Yeah, shout out to you, Zach. Actually, your transitions so far today have been on point. Just I'm, want to give I'm you get, a, I'm props aiming there. to transition between every single two teams that we go <laughs> through the table. You're you're the host extraordinaire. Well, well, well done, uh, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. So to your point, 43% possession for Wolves at home against Brighton. One shot on target all game. That's not the Wolves that we know. I'm wonder, I'm wondering if the, if the fixture congestion from the Europa League is starting to catch up with them a little bit now. Yeah, I think that is a good point. Um, it's 
it's tough because they're a team who haven't been in Europe in, in many, many years. So it's certainly not what they're used to. I mean, just what, four years ago, they were in the championship. So definitely, definitely a, a fast and accelerated growth for that club. Um, and uh, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the Europa League? Their, their match against Olympiacos postponed as the owner of Olympiacos actually testing positive for coronavirus. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting time to be a, a Wolves player. But in the league, um, it looks like they have a good run of fixtures coming up uh, soon. Yeah, I, th- I think you know Wolves will be fine. They're they're a good team. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't finish top six at this point. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that you know, continue to build slow and surely. No, no rush for them. You know, to to try to to try to do anything radical. I think they they have a great core and and have to keep that together. Yep, exactly. Should be good. Um, all right, I'm gonna see if I can do a little transition here from a team in sixth who has had a lot of investment to a team in seventh who's had barely any. Sheffield United. That'll play. That'll play. (laughs) Yeah. Sheffield United unbeaten in six. They had that kind of blip in the radar in January where they seem to be falling off, getting a number of, of draws and, and seem to be winnable games that they, that they weren't, um, you know, closing the door kind of wild that we're saying that about Sheffield United in their first year back in the prem. Uh, but it's, it's a way at St. James's park next. And I mean, one of the few teams that Newcastle might be able to do the double over this season. That's incredible, right? Can you imagine Newcastle doing the double over Sheffield United with the season that they've had? I mean, just and I, the one thing I remember about that reverse game <laughs> was the fact that um, the fact that we got that goal um, on the counter. Do you remember that with John Joe Shelby, where he mm-hmm. ran through and scored the goal when the flag went up for offside and everybody yep. stopped playing? Everybody stopped playing. Yeah, it seemed like schoolyard football, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be pretty remarkable considering how good they've been and how, how tight and compact uh, they've been. And I, I think they're really for Sheffield United. It's all all the confidence and all the structure and organization has come from the the root, and that's the goal. And Dean Henderson has really been their shining light. I think this season. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I think he's definitely somebody that you know, based on the form of the other goalkeepers in the league, looking at Pickford specifically. Um, and then maybe, maybe looking over at Burnley as well. I think that, you know, Henderson is probably the right guy to, to be in between the sticks for England in the Euros. Um, and interesting to see, maybe he may be on his way out at United as well. He said he wouldn't be an understudy. So um, either that means he's going to oust David De Gea, which is not going to happen, or he's going somewhere, maybe to Sheffield United at the end of the year. So do you, th- you think he would stay, you think he would, you know, request a move to the his current loan loan team at Sheffield United, or do you think he would try to be in for a, aiming for a quote-unquote bigger club? It's interesting, right? Because they're, they're definitely a team on the rise and they may get into Europe, but could they even afford him? I mean, his stock has gone up so high this season, and Sheffield United are not historically known for spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that would turn out. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and from a team that's not historically known to spending a lot of money to another team that's not historically known for spending a lot of money, you have the Tottenham Hotspur sitting in eighth and the, oh man, the, the, uh, the what is it garbage fire is beginning to to reignite at north london for spurs yeah it's interesting spurs um i'm probably gonna spend a little bit of time here on it jose Mourinho, dude he's he's lost the plot i i, I truly think do you hear about the ndombele criticism where he pulled him off after 45 minutes and basically just like made him the scapegoat for the uh the underwhelming performance for tottenham 
Yeah, he pretty much said in his post-match interview that Ndombele is, uh, for all intents and purposes, not you know not good enough to wear the shirt, which is a pretty wild statement to make for a manager who joined the club mid-season, um, and especially with a young player like Ndombele, just yeah. <laughs> no, no regard for human life. You just think about it, like this is a player that's come in, and there's a lot of players that come in from other European teams or trying to settle in England for their first season that really struggle and then kind of come into their own in their second season. Like, give the guy a chance. He's clear. He's clearly a quality footballer, and he's clearly still trying to find his feet. And crucifying him like that, you wouldn't catch a top manager like a Klopp or um, like a Guardiola doing that to any of his players. It's just, to me, it shows that he's lost touch with the game that he's he's really for me in my opinion he's he's potentially done as a manager in the premier league if he can't make this work at spurs yeah i I think that he and like if i had to theorize to kind of the the you know the method to the madness i think that he just doesn't care anymore and i don't think that's a good thing to have in a manager a manager who doesn't really care i don't think i don't think he it doesn't seem as though he really wants to you know be making this project out of tottenham hotspur he's just doing it you know because it's another job it's another way to get back in the limelight and uh unfortunately with with spurs at the moment with how many injuries they've racked up um uh it seems as though every f- step forward they make, it's two steps back. And the newest one is with Bergwijn going out for the season with that yeah. ankle injury that he suffered. I mean, they, he's looked phenomenal since being bought in January. And it's just like, oh my goodness, more salt in the wound. Is that bad luck or bad conditioning, do you think? I I, I mean, pr- it's probably a little bit of both. But I, I, think that, I think that the injuries that a number of Spurs players have suffered this year have uh, been, like the ankle injury is not... Typically, conditioning injuries are muscle injuries, so that I think that kind of rules that one out for for Bergwijn. But I mean, I think that's a decent point. Like Kane has had a number of muscle injuries. Deli Ali has had a n- number of muscle injuries. Uh, so I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, the other thing I was thinking about with Spurs is just drawing a comparison between. Um, looking at the Chelsea team and how Frank Lampard is pushing the youth and then looking at Jose Mourinho and how, you know, there's there's some really talented youngsters coming through. Somebody who's garnered a lot of press is Troy Parrott, um, who's a youngster similar to, you know, Billy Gilmore's age, who's potentially somebody that they were going to look to to come in and score some goals with Harry Kane being out. Instead of that, they're putting Deli Alley up top and he's basically said, Troy Parrott, you're not ready. Like he's literally come out in the press and said, you're not ready. Even if he's not ready, what a crush of confidence that is to a youngster trying to come through. Like yeah. say that behind closed doors. Don't say that openly in the press. It's just, I just feel like he's lost a step, Mourinho. Yeah, I I, 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 th- I agree with you. I think he just doesn't care anymore, honestly. I think that's yep. what it is. He, he wants to do things his way. And if it works out well, then he looks like here. If it doesn't work out well, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's it hasn't worked out well in a number of clubs recently. So I just... So, yeah. So, Zach, from one struggling North London club to another North London club, somewhat in the ascendancy right now, Arsenal okay. and Knights. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll take that one. Uh, Arsenal and Ninth. yeah, they, the more impressive of the North London clubs, despite being a place lower in the table. Uh, Arteta does seem to have that team behind him at the moment. And I, I think that, um, I think that you know, the, the way in which he's utilizing the attacking strength of Arsenal and the way in which he's willing to kind of shuffle the, the starting 11 on a, on a weekly basis has been impressive, especially for a new manager. Um, typically, I feel as though new managers have, the biggest issue they have is figuring out lineups and figure out how to you know keep players fresh but also keep the best quality on the pitch and i think he's doing a really really good job um kind of cycling players in and out when they need a bit of a rest 
Yeah, I think you, you could make the argument that I think, you know, since the turn of the year, Arsenal and Arteta have been the most impressive team slash managerial combo in the Premier League for me. Um, Arteta himself is obviously a class coach. He's learned under one of the best in Guardiola. Um, you mentioned the rotation. I think he's done a great job of that. Lacazette, somebody that he's kind of dropped in favor of Nketiah a few times. I think he's, you know, done it in the right way, unlike Mourinho, where he's actually really motivated him to come off the bench and prove what he can do versus just being lethargic and coming off and having no motivation to do well and just pick up his paycheck. So um, there's a difference for me. It's a young manager versus a seasoned manager, but he's got the hunger right now, Arteta. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. It is. It'll be an interesting test coming up for for Arsenal. Um, a, a number of hard, uh, pretty pretty challenging matches in in their next uh, in their last nine matches. Spurs, Leicester, Wolves, uh, Liverpool, and City all within uh, that that last nine matches. So we'll see. I, I think that Arsenal will finish comfortably in the top half, um, but I, th- I think that'll be about it. I don't think they'll be they'll be getting Europa League this year. Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. You know, that's basically going to be rinse and repeat for Arsenal, right? They're going to make their way into the uh, Europa League one more time and then get knocked out in the uh, round of 16 by some underperforming middle of Europe team, I would think. Yeah, that, that is always what happens. Uh, Anji, what was it? Anzi Makachkala or something a couple of years ago? I remember that one pretty well. well. Easy for you to say, my friend. All right. Uh, so, oh shit, I didn't even think about this one. Uh, for a team, <laughs> how can I... <laughs> For a team, uh, ooh, I don't know. Do you, do you have a transition for us here, Adam? From a red-shirted team to a red-haired dynamo, Sean mm. Dyche and Burnley. God, you save me. That's, that's why I have you on the pod. Is, is <laughs> when I fall, you catch me. That's right. <laughs> Burnley uh, rounding out the top half of the table. A good point at home against Spurs. and th- I think uh, this is something that we both kind of predicted um, in December is that Burnley, as they've done, it seems like the last two seasons – just kind of leveling out towards the end of the year in a positive way, though. Uh, just I, I would say uh, rather than regressing to the mean, more rising to the occasion and getting back to that that mid-table side that they're meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Burnley have been really impressive, man. Unbeaten in seven in the league. Um, just when he needed to, we were talking about them about a month or two ago being right in the relegation dogfight. Now we're talking about them potentially <laughs> knocking on the door of Europe. Do you really think that this Burnley team is good enough to finish top half? Um, I don't. I, I don't think that they're... Well, I guess... I'm sorry, I was thinking about Europe. Uh, top half, I, I think they could, certainly. Yeah, I mean, you look at the teams behind them. Palace, uh, Everton, Newcastle, Southampton. You have no reason to believe that any of those will, will definitely overtake Burnley. It, the interesting thing with Burnley for me is I, I, I think they've kind of reached their ceiling. Like, I don't think that Burnley is going to achieve anything more than they've achieved in the last couple of years. I think that a cup would be like winning the FA cup for them would be, you know, a huge achievement, but I don't see Burnley unless there's some big influx of cash. I don't see Burnley doing anything more than they've done uh, this season so far. Yeah. I think, you know, 10th would be a great finish. If you'd offered that at the uh, beginning of the season, I think Sean Dyche would have snapped your hand off for that finish. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if Burnley is able to finish in the top half. We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll run through the, the bottom half, the lowly teams in the second half of the Premier League table.
All right, so we are back here on the false nines. Uh, we are on to the, the bottom half of the table. So from Burnley, a team uh, who seems to be building a home with a solid foundation to a glass castle that is Crystal Palace. Uh, right now, not being shattered. No rocks being thrown indoors. It's three consecutive wins for Palace, all scraping by at the moment. Yeah, all 1-0 wins um, on three consecutive clean sheets as well. Um, I, and then also against relegation rivals. So I think 39 points now. Would you say Crystal Palace in 11th on 39 points with nine games to go are safe? <sighs> yeah, I think in in my typical kind of cop-out answer, I think that there are three worse teams than Crystal Palace in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, I don't think that Palace will, will have an issue. They're another you know, classically mid-table side that will we'll skate to that result this season. Yeah, I think 39 points, to your point, I think they, they are. And, um, and again, I think another team that if you'd offered them safety at the beginning of the season certainly would have taken it, especially after not really reinvesting in the team and all the unsettled talk for... Um, Wolford Zaha at the beginning of the year you know they've come through that they've weathered the storm but they're just kind of basking in that mediocrity um I hope I hope that Palace will kick on uh, they're always a team that I've, I've been and been fond of in the past and have enjoyed watching yeah I agree I, I think that they're they are enjoyable um but they're also a team that yeah besides besides Zaha and well I guess Juan Bissaka last season um so hopefully they don't become a feeder club I hope not Jordan Ayew dude Top five strikers in the Premier League. Easy. It's not, and it's not, it's not even close. <laughs> he's the he's the more talented IU brother. Yeah, he, I I would say so. Andre Andre had his run of form for for uh, back in his days in Swansea, but I think Jordan is the the better of the IUs. Would you say he's overrated or underappreciated? If you had to go one of those two ways. I, I I see. I hate to not give you an answer. I think he's exactly rated as he should be. He is like a pretty bang average striker. You're exactly where you need to be, Jordan. I you credit yeah. to you, my friend. You you are a Crystal Palace th man through and through. Uh, so from from Jordan Ayew, uh, a man of the moment, to uh, Everton, a, a team who is is very struggling to find that moment at the moment. That was a wordy one. Uh, it's no wins in three for Angelotti. And, and that match uh, against Chelsea um, really was, that, that was miserable. That looked like, that looked like Everton at the beginning of this season. Yeah. When no wins in three doesn't tell the whole story. I think, you know, the Arsenal game was three, two. It was a really good competitive game. Uh, Man U, they took a point against Man U and Man U, as we mentioned during great form, that Chelsea spanking was, was not great for them. And they have Liverpool up next who are going to be reeling and it's the Merseyside Derby as well. So you, guarantee the Liverpool aren't going to want to lose that one but it's at Goodison should be should make for a mouth-watering fixture on Monday night oh I have an audacious audacious bet would you would you give me odds on I, I bet you that there's a somebody gets sent off in the Merseyside Derby Ooh, I don't know. You're about to lose your Pulisic bet because he hasn't played. Yeah, He's not going to get 10, 10 goals this season. I'm going to lose my Pulisic bet. <laughs> Unfortunately, I lost the undefeated Liverpool bet as well. Yep, you did. You did. So uh, we got we got to figure out what, what what you owe each other at this point. But um, would you give me would you give me two to one odds on that? I give you two. How about okay. five bucks versus ten bucks? All right, I'll make a deal. I just feel like both of these teams just want to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. I'm I'm going to make an audacious um, claim here as well that there's going to be some sort of mistake quote-unquote mistake from Jordan Pickford in this game, a la the Divock Origi. Um, he's only got a little arms incident. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that that is certainly plausible, especially with how poorly Pickford has played in in the last ten or so matches. Yeah, what do you think the ceiling is for for Everton this season? Like, how high do you think they could potentially finish? They're not that far behind points wise. Yeah, I think they could crack top half. To, I mean, that's just based on how bad Marco Silva had them at the beginning of the season. Like, Everton has talent to be, you know, knocking on Europe's door, but I, I think top half, considering how how poor that beginning run was, that would be good. And then you know, get settled under Ancelotti in the summer. I, right, I here, think. Yeah, here's I think one, that, here's one sorry, for you. I'll ask you it. this question. Everton in 12th right now, 37 points. Spurs in 8th on 41 points. Same number of games. Who finishes higher? Spurs, but not by much. I'd see, I'd go Everton for this one. I think Everton, you know, four points gap right now. Not yeah, really many uh, injury you, problems maybe, at Everton right now and all of the injury problems of the world at Spurs. Yeah, maybe you're right. Actually, I, I agree with you. The more I think about it, yeah, I agree with you. I think Spurs have a poor end to the season. They might Does not Spurs finish, finish top, top 10? Yeah, that's not allowed. That's wow. Sorry, Mr. Pensek. Uh Yeah, they might, they might, they might finish top ten. I don't know, but I'm not confidently saying that. <laughs> All right. So from um, eighteen, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to transition into from, this. From a team from a... that might finish top half to a team that definitely will not and does not deserve to finish in the top half. From a you team can... with one of the greatest managers in the world to a team okay, that's, yeah, with that's better. One of the worst, Newcastle in thirteenth. Yeah, with with a team with a cabbage in charge, it's it's Newcastle in thirteenth. Um, you know, great to get three points against Southampton, but like if we're talking about like emblematic of a season, the fact that we barely scored one goal in eighty minutes of being a man up was that that was that was pretty much Newcastle United right there. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting though. Um, obviously Joe Linton, friend of the pod, was dropped. Um, for that game that was a, a big decision from Steve Bruce to finally not start him Gale started up top um, I think alongside Almiron and then he kind of played some awful <laughs> dude he missed he missed a half full of chances he could have had a hat trick in the first half that's the thing that that's kind of the story of Newcastle for what like two to two to two and a half seasons minus you know take away Solomon Rondon is just a complete inability to score um, so ultimately like we, we played very well against Southampton I'm not trying to underplay that it, it was just like a lack of finishing but ultimately you need to be able to finish if you're a professional football club yeah exactly uh, i i think you, you made a great point there i think you know gale is ceiling for him is a five to ten goal a season premier league striker for um an average mid-table team i think that's that's the best that you can expect from him he hasn't played in a while he's not sharp but you know what he was getting into the positions joel linton doesn't get into those same positions so i hold out hope that you know he might grab a couple down the stretch here and get scrape enough points to keep us safe because that's really all we're trying for right yeah, well, especially because now that Martin Dubravka, who is by miles and miles the our player of the season, uh, reported today out for uh, it looks like at least until the end of March with a knee ligament injury. That is a really, really, really. Uh, oh man, that's a scary thought right there. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Darlow coming in um, is very error prone. Um, yeah, you know, he's never proven himself in the prem. No, I don't think so either. Uh, let me ask you this, Martin Dubravka. Maybe we've seen the end of him for the season, or at least most of the rest of the season. Would you say top three in the Premier League, goalkeeper-wise? Sorry, say that again? The best goalkeeper in the Premier League? Top three goalkeepers in the league. Would you rank Dubrovka in that top three? 
If not, who would beat him out for the top three? Yeah, I I think that I think that uh, in terms of this season, I, I think you could definitely make that argument. Um, in terms of just like ultimately which keepers I'd want if I if I was making you know making a team, I think Allison Ederson and De Gea have to be the three in my mind. Um, but uh, Dubravka has had a phenomenal season. Yeah, I think here I'll say this: if he puts up another season like this one, I think he would absolutely be in that conversation. For me, it's my one, two, three would be Henderson, Dubravka, and Allison. Allison's missed some some games this season. Yeah, um, Ederson, sure. I think, has been garbage. I think De Gea has not had a great season by his standards either. So based on the he, season's form, I'd go with that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Based on this season's form, I think DeBrav- well, DeBravka also has the most shots stopped, I believe, in the Premier League at the moment. So yeah, yeah he, he has been... He, he has been not only not just key to us being in 13th, but the key to us being in 13th. Yeah, I think that's a great point. F- final point on Newcastle here. Um, around 35 points is what we have right now as our points total. Are we safe? A lot of the press are saying that on 35 points, Newcastle United are safe. They're eight points off relegation places with nine games to go. Uh, and really, they've kind of like got it down to the bottom six teams from 15th down as like the prime relegation candidates. I know last time we recorded, you said that Newcastle would be relegated. Are you sticking <laughs> with that prediction, Zachary? No, I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think we'll go down, but I, I think that it's going to be a nervy finish with the Bravkin being out. And I, I think that, like, I, I know it seems like I'm harping on this, but I, I don't think it can be understated at all how important he is to the club. Like, how many shots and how or how many go- how many more goals we would have let up this season if it wasn't if it weren't for him and goal uh and that that's where like darlow is gonna have to come in and perform it's not gonna be just like you know come in and finish off the season he's gonna have to perform because when you look at our defense and our midfield a lot of shots are being taken every single match by the opposing club so he's gonna have to be sharp then this season yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. All right, from 13th Newcastle onto the team that they beat in 14th Southampton this past weekend. Mm, nice. That that was that was an easy one. Uh, Southampton, yeah, have kind of cooled off. It seems since their their you know incredible rise on the back of English legend Danny Ings. Uh, it's it's five losses and six for them, uh, and they they I, I again I I think that a win I I think that four points pretty much between now and the end of the season solidifies their place in the prem but they need that immediately because they're in a poor run of form so by that logic you're saying southampton a point behind newcastle four points sees them in the premier league next season you think newcastle need one more win just to wrap that up uh, yeah i think so i think uh, okay. i think a, one more win keeps newcastle in the premier league okay all right cool i i i like that that is definitely achievable so for southampton you're right five losses and six in all competitions for them um they have that one solitary victory in in the last six games they have norwich and wofford up next if they need four more points that's where they need to take it from zach right mm-hmm. yeah yep. absolutely it's yeah it's one of those things it happens every season to all the teams in the bottom half that you have to take your opportunities because you're going to have a a number of tough runs of you know tough runs and even teams that might not be playing for much are (laughs) they're they're putting out a team that should be able to to beat you time and time again so they're gonna have to be up to the task yep i think that's a good point and then right after those games against norwich and watford they have city everton and man united so it's not getting any easier they need to probably rubber stamp their plays in the premier league asap yeah, and hopefully for them, Hassan Hoodle can kind of tell them that, you know, this is our shot to, to 
guarantee safety. Let's let's take it and not have to worry at the end of the season. Yep. Good point. All right. Um, I don't have a transition here, so you go for it, my friend. Um, from a team on the south coast to another team on the south coast. Brendan's okay. on the south coast of England, correct? That's correct. All right, there we go. I, I was really, really grasping at straws there. Uh, um, Brighton in 15th, coming off a really nice point that we talked about before, away at Wolves, something that really n- none of us none of us here at the pod uh, would have expected. That being said, it's um, six points in the new year, all coming from draws, which is kind of wild. They haven't won a match since the turn of the decade. Um, and do you, do you think they're going to – when do you think they're going to get a win? Do you, do you think Brighton is in the relegation uh, fight? Yeah, it's been a whole decade since Brighton last had a win, to your point. Uh, <laughs> they're absolutely in the dogfight. Yeah, um, no, no doubt about it in my mind. Um, from 10 games, from, they've taken six points from 30. Um, that's relegation form right there, uh, my friend. And the next three games, Arsenal, Leicester, Manchester United. And in their last nine games, they also have Liverpool and City to play. Like, they're they're absolutely down there in the relegation dogfight. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. That's that's really tough. I mean, yep. yeah, they're. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> like Brighton is a team that I've never really been terribly sure of, and honestly, not entirely sure how they're in fifteenth at this point in the season. But yeah, it's gonna be tough. They they are gonna have to get it from somewhere, but I'm just not sure where. Yep, only Norwich have less losses on the season than Brighton do. Just another good stat for you there. Wait, only say that again. Only Norwich have less wins, excuse me, not losses. Less, I was going to say, wait, that made, that, <laughs> Pardon me. there's no way that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say first Liverpool one was has one loss. One so. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's not a lot of goals in that club. That's I mean, that's been the issue for them all season. It's uh, only 32 goals in, uh, in the season, which is uh, there for, I think that's fifth. Sixth worst, or no, fifth worst in the Premier League. So not 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 a ton of return, and it's going to be tough for them to to I don't know fight off. The the one thing that is in Brighton's favor is they have a much better goal differential than the five clubs below them, and that, as we always know, is, is huge coming into the end of the season. Yep, that was Rafa Benitez's strategy for Newcastle, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so from a team that has a, a fairly stout defense to a team that ships goals on the regular, it's West Ham in 16th, the third worst defense, or excuse me, fourth worst defense in the Premier League, having uh, allowed 50 goals in 29 matches. Uh, and for for West Ham, they they did get that win a couple weeks ago against Southampton, um, and in their last match, then playing Arsenal. Uh, and and I, I think played a pretty decent match, so it, it's tough. I, it's another team that should have enough to stay up, but you never know what's going to happen with how bad they have been for such long stretches this season. Yeah, I think no matter how you paint it, it's going to be a disappointing season for West Ham, their club, and, and their supporters. Um, but I, you know, I, I crucified you a few minutes ago for predicting Newcastle would get relegated in tenon or sorry, in uh, armchair pundits last week. I also predicted that West Ham would not leave the bottom three before the end of the season and would get relegated. So uh, I'll follow my own sword here as well and say that that was a a bad prediction on my part. They've looked much, much better in the last couple of weeks. That win against Southampton, they played at Arsenal. They had some chances as well. Ultimately lost to a late goal from Lacazette, but but looking a little bit more impressive recently. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's, it's 
yeah, it's it, it would be so, so, so unbelievably frustrating to support West Ham because the funding is there. You know, they, they have a gigantic stadium and they have a, a very loyal fan base and quality players, but just nothing has gone right for them. I think that if they can, you know, if they can reform that defense over the summer, they can be knocking on. They they could be in kind of the top the top part of the bottom uh, half of the table next season, maybe knocking on the top 10. They, they have the talent there. So I think that it's all about the summer for West Ham at the moment. Yep, I would agree with that. All right, so from one team beginning with W to another team beginning with W oh, in 17th easy. place, nice. Watford. Yeah, sorry, this is like kind of basic now. Uh, <laughs> Watford in 17th, huge win against Liverpool, oh. and then a loss at Palace. So just, uh, as I said earlier on, really story of Watford's season under Pearson. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, not not a lot you can say in terms of why what is happening is happening with them, but they they are able to put out those performances and get those wins. Obviously, the one at Liverpool will be their biggest win of the season if they're able to survive. Um, and I, I think that uh, it's it's really Ismail Assar that that is leading them at the moment. He has just been such a force on on the wing and is one of those players that. Um, like it's it's one thing if a player has the technical ability and is able to maybe has a really nice shot but there is this intangible quality of a player like Sar of every time he gets the ball he he knows that he is going to be dribbling past the the defender and I think that's something that you almost can't teach yeah he plays without fear and that's one of the things I love most about him there's been a lot of comparisons in the press recently between him and Sadio Mane how he might be the next Mane um, another player that's kind of coming up at a uh, a struggling Premier League club um, at Watford. Um, Southampton, obviously, is where Mane, Mane made his name. Do you think Saar is a player that we could see playing for a top-four team in the next few seasons? Ooh, in the next few seasons, yeah. I, I think that um, you know he's only 22 years of age, the, the Senegalese player, and he, I, I think that he... He still needs another season to really, to really kind of solidify himself. I mean, you know, go in and, and prove himself again. This being his his first um, season in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it will take a, a no. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, this being no, this is sorry. This is his first season in the Premier League. So That's I think right. that having another season there and, and seeing if he can do this all again will be big. But yeah, definitely a talent to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, down to the bottom three, Zach. We are in to the basement. Uh, so uh, from from one team who is somehow able to best Liverpool to another team that, that played pretty well uh, against Liverpool but uh, came out empty-handed. Bournemouth at the top of the bottom right now. Uh, they're back in the, the bottom three after that, that victory that Watford had. Um, and... You know, Bournemouth looking a bit better, but do you, do you think they have what it takes to survive? I think they will just about survive. I think that the, the quality of football has improved. I think Callum Wilson's starting to play a bit better. Um, they're, they're definitely playing better football. Uh, I think that that's going to really help them turn turn the corner here and, and probably scrape to safety. I see them maybe finishing in 16th or 17th spot. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I like Bournemouth. I, I like, you know, I, I've always liked Eddie Howe, but it's, you know, who knows how long Eddie Howe will be there um, at this point. Uh, it, it's yeah, not, not a lot to say about Bournemouth. They, it, it's a scrape kind of operation for them right now. As you said, they're just going to need to get a few more points to, to, to keep out of the, the bottom, you know, the bottom three. 
Yeah, I think so. All right, on to 19th. Uh, from a team that plays in black and red to a team that plays in maroon and blue, Aston Villa. Horrible form for them right now. <laughs> it's late. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of transitions. Um, yeah, the colors, yeah. I like it. Yep, so um, Villa not playing well at all. They've lost five consecutive in all competitions, including that cup final loss to City. I think they're down, Zach. Yeah, they're going to have to pull a Watford v. Liverpool result out of their hat. Uh, next four matches, Chelsea, Wolves, Liverpool, and Man United. So you're, you know, it's going to take a, a really, really season-defining performance for them. Uh, ooh, do you th- do you think it? Do you think they're seeing the last nine games of Jack Grealish in in the in the Villa colors? I think you should enjoy him, Villa fans, while you can right now because he's on his way in the summer. Mm, I agree, unfortunately, for Villa, but something that I thought would happen since the beginning of the season, regardless of where they finish. So that's something that you and I did disagree about for a while. Yeah, um, they unfortunately are the next Fulham. So there we go. Yeah, there it is. Well, so for, from a team that <laughs> from a team that briefly had a chance to stay up to a team that was never going to stay up, we have Norwich in 20th. Uh, they got that win against Leicester that we talked about before, a hard-fought uh, victory, um, but too little too late, as is the story of so many bottom dwellers in the Prem. Yeah, they're looking a little bit more solid defensively recently, which has been good, but too little too late, I think. Um, Norwich, I think, are, are, are done and done. Um, right now, they're the only team, really, that you look at the table and clearly say on 21 points and, you know, six from safety, you just can't see it happening. You can make an argument for Villa that, you know, string a couple wins together and they, and they could potentially stay up. I just don't see it happening for Norwich. Yeah, exactly. It would take it would take something special. It would take something like what what uh, Claudio Ranieri was able to do with um, with Leicester in the 2014 season. That being said, I, I don't think it's going to be the same Cinderella finish to to the to the year that that Norwich will will have this season. Yep, I agree. Um, all right, so that wraps up our one through 20 in the premier league um lots of interesting things just to kind of wrap up at the bottom there as well right now on 27 points currently um zach from 16th down to 18th so 16 17 18 we have west ham watford bournemouth on 27 points um and then we have 29 for brighton so a lot of people saying that's really brighton down that could uh, be the teams that are in the relegation dogfight right now yes i i i think that's a pretty apt uh, statement I, I think that um you know that that five point gap is is fairly significant this late in the season uh, the five point gap between southampton and brighton so yeah it's gonna it's gonna be tough i, th- I do think uh, despite how bad of a run of form brighton ha- or excuse me a run of fixtures brighton has to end the season that goal differential is gonna be huge for them they're gonna have to just minimize the damage i think in those matches yeah that's a good call all right, let's move on to our next section of the pod. Uh, we're going to our fixtures and predictions. So we're coming up on match day 30. But before we get there, I want to do a quick recap. I've clawed you back a bit, Zach. I've you have you back two points bit. for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's basically 31 to 30 for Zach. Uh, I won the previous competition by 3 to 1. I want to point out that I actually predicted... Um, that Watford would take points off Liverpool. I wasn't yes. bullish enough to say that they would beat them. I gave a 2-2 prediction there, um, so nope. I didn't end up getting any points for it, but I still feel good that I uh, I predicted somewhat of an upset. Yeah, that was that was that was impressive. I, I don't know where I don't know where you came up with that, but I'll give it to you. You get you get some brownie points for that one. 
there you go. So just a one-point gap right now. Let's get into our predictions, though, for this coming weekend, assuming all of the games are played with the uh, ongoing coronavirus shenanigans. Uh, first game, the early game on Saturday, is Watford at home to Leicester. Watford in 17th, Leicester in 3rd. Watford coming off a loss, Leicester coming off a win. How do you see this one panning out, Zach? Yeah, two teams that have, have been difficult to predict as of recently. I'll go... I'll go Leicester 2-1 victory. I think this will be a, a good match, and I think Watford will give them a run for their money, but I think the Leicester will you know, return to form and, and get that second win on the bounce. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably not a bad call. I'm going to stick with my um, Watford at home predictions of recent. I went for a 2-2 last time out with Liverpool. I'm going for another 2-2 here. Uh, who knows, maybe they'll win again. Yeah, oh, I like that. I like that confidence. Second match is Bournemouth hosting Palace. Bournemouth, uh, that loss at Liverpool in their last match. Palace, the win at home against Watford. Low-scoring affair. I'm, I'm thinking 1-1 in this one. Yeah, I think I could easily see that happening, especially given it's at Bournemouth. Um, why break the habit of a lifetime? Palace have won their last game, three games, 1-0. I'm going for 1-0 Palace again, make it four mm. in a row. Yeah, got it. Got a got a bet on consistency there. I like it. Uh, next match is Brighton in fifteenth hosting Arsenal, who is in that nice run of form we're talking about. Do you think Arsenal gets another three points in this one? I do. Um, I think unfortunately Brighton's going to lose this one um, and are going to be further into the relegation dogfight. Uh, I think it's a two 0 win for Arsenal. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna make that one a wash. <laughs> I think that'll be two 0 Arsenal. Awesome. All right, on to the next one. Um, Manchester City coming off a loss in the Manchester Derby are hosting Burnley, who are unbeaten in seven. Can they make it unbeaten in eight, Zach? Burnley has a tendency this season to score against Manchester clubs. That that J. Rodriguez wonder strike when Burnley played Manchester United a couple months ago is something that right. has seared itself in my memory. So I think Burnley gets a goal in this one. Uh, I will say, that being said, I, I think City has the firepower to overcome that. Uh, we will go 3-1 Manchester City. 3-1 Man City. They did win Burnley at Old Trafford, so that's one thing that they have on their resume that Manchester City certainly don't. Um, but I agree with you. I think Man City will probably come out victors here. I'll go for a more narrow 2-1 victory, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, nice. So next one, the, the match that you and I will both uh, obviously have our eye on this weekend. It's Newcastle United at home against Sheffield United, as we talked about earlier. Do you think we can do the double over them this season? I don't. Um, I don't think we'll lose this game, and I'd be very happy with a point going into this, looking at the league table and how it is right now. So I'm going to predict that we do get on the score sheet again for the second game in a row. Dwight Gale grabs the goal in a 1-1 draw. Ooh, interesting. Uh, I think we go back to our, our normal ways. Nil-nil finish in this one. No, oh, that's that's probably going to happen. Uh, <laughs> all right, on, on to Norwich versus Southampton. Uh, maybe a relegation? Six-pointer here, but Norwich are kind of down, so that's maybe safe. So 20th place, 14th. Um, actually, the only fixture this weekend where both teams are coming off losses, uh, interestingly mm. enough. Uh, I'm going to go for this one with a 1-1 draw, Zach. Can't see them really having a clear victor here. Okay, yeah, I think that's a safe bet. I'll, I'll give Southampton the benefit of the doubt. I think that Danny Ings gets a brace 2-1 win for Southampton away Two. from home. Okay, 2-1 Southampton. I like that. Um, on to our next and final game on Saturday. Uh, really, really important game for them. Villa in 19th are hosting Inform Chelsea. Chelsea 4-0 win. 
against Everton in their last match. Villa 4-0 loss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about, you know, going with what's what history has shown us, history repeats itself, 4-0 win for Chelsea. 4-0 Chelsea. Uh, that's bold. Uh, I don't think it'll be quite that comfortable, but I don't see Villa scoring either. I'm going to go for a 2-0 away win for Chelsea. Okay. All right. On to Sunday matches. We have two of them this weekend. It's West Ham hosting Wolves in the earlier match. Uh, two teams that are in a bit of a poor run of form. Uh, where do you see this one ending? Uh, it'll be an interesting one. Um, West Ham really, really need the win. Wolves are pressing for Europe as well, so I would say that they equally need it. I also think that coming off of that nil-nil draw against Brighton, they're going to be gunning for some goals. 2-1 Wolves for this one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, whew. Oh, man, I want to bet the same thing, but that that is boring, isn't it? Um, why don't we go 3-1 Wolves? 3-1 Wolves. All yeah. right. Yep, that's entirely possible with West Ham's defensive skills. Exactly. Uh, so uh, the second match on Sunday, uh, the only match I believe this weekend with two teams in the top half of the table, it's Spurs hosting Man United. And again, <laughs> talk about two teams going in very different directions. Uh, oh, man, this is this is a tough one. Uh, the injuries that Spurs have had and the confidence that Man U has at the moment. <sighs> Maybe I, I'm going to go... Huh? Let's go 2-1 Manchester United. 2-1 Man U. I'm going 2-0 Man U. I don't think Spurs gets on the score sheet. Yeah, neither do I, honestly. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, what about 3-0 Man U? 3-0 Man U? Yeah, mark me down for that. I like that one better. All right, that's confident. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, finally, the Monday match. It's Everton hosting uh, Liverpool. As we said, the Merseyside derby, always uh, you know, a, a volatile affair. I do think somebody will get sent off in this match, and I do think Liverpool will win this match. I'm going to go... Let's go 2-1 Liverpool. Okay, I'm going to go with a 1-0 Liverpool win. Um, I think Liverpool are going to want this, and they're going to want to be winning the title at Anfield the following week. So I think a one to Liverpool win is what I'm going to pick here. All right, good. So the predictions locked down for this weekend. We'll check back in in a couple weeks to see if I, I still have my narrow lead there uh, or if Adam has overtaken me. So we'll see. It's but, a good close um, race. Exactly. Yeah. And another close race here uh, is the EPL top scoring chart. So Jamie Vardy, as, as we mentioned earlier, finally getting back into uh, into the goal form after a long drought. Uh, it was about two months for Jamie Vardy. He has 19 now on the season, followed by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is rising up that table, playing really well at the moment. Uh, 17 goals, so two behind Vardy. And then in third, Salah and Aguero, both on 16. So it's fairly tight. It really, really could go any way. Yeah, I could see Aubameyang continuing to rise up the scoring charts there. Um, Aguero has a little bit of an injury as well, so we'll see how he performs. Um, Danny Ings, also a little bit of a cold streak right now too. So, What do you, hmm, what do you think the Golden Boot winner ends with this season? uh no more than 25 yeah i was thinking i, I was thinking the exact same thing yeah it's yeah. a bit of a down year for goals goal yeah. scores in the Premier league exactly when you consider newcastle already have 25 goals my prediction that the top goal scorer would have more goals than newcastle is not going to probably come true 
<laughs> you know, we can always hope that it doesn't come true. <laughs> I, I sincerely hope it doesn't, but we'll see. Yeah, we will see. All right, so we're going to take another uh, quick commercial break, and then when we come back, hop into our other sections of the pod. So starting with our microphone moment, or excuse me, your microphone moment. We'll be back in a second. All right, so back rounding out the top, uh, the Final sections. I don't know why I said the word top. It is late, Adam. Jeez, Louise, I'm tired. It's um, after 10 p.m. here, my friend. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, <laughs> rounding out the the 39th episode of the False Nines, uh, we're going into your microphone moment again. Section where you can ask us some questions. Just shoot us an email at the False Nines Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the False Nines Nine S Podcast at gmail.com. We're keeping it short and sweet this week, Adam. We have two questions yep two questions indeed first one um i'd love to get your perspective i think you're more of a seria fan i think than i am so uh obviously there's been some news coming out uh, in the recent in the recent days that the seria has um suspended their season so the question is james from denver asking us how will the seria suspension of games due to coronavirus impact this year's uh uefa champions league i i just like I, I I don't know. I don't want to go into it too much, but I I just don't I don't think that anything is going to finish on schedule this season. Like I, I think that everything's going to get pushed back, and I think that Syria being suspended for good reason. First of all, um, you know the 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 virus running rampant across Italy at the moment. Uh, so if, if we you know for any reason have any Italian listeners, certainly stay safe and stay at home, but. Uh, I, I think that in terms of direct impact on the Champions League, it's going to be very difficult to schedule fixtures now that um, you have this league that's in complete lockdown and you have teams that are in lockdown. Uh, news coming out today uh, that a player on uh, Juventus has tested positive for coronavirus. So um, I, you can't, you know, you can't be playing at all. I think if that's the case and it, players always in co- close quarters, everybody obviously getting tested and just a lot of question marks right now. Yep. I think that's a, you know, a, a good summarization of, of what's going on there. Um, and there's also been talk about the Serie A potentially um, suspending all games and then having a playoffs to decide it. It's kind of ironic for the first time in what seems like 50 or 60 years that Juventus are not in a one-horse race for the title, that we get the coronavirus coming in and uh, potentially putting a, a stop to any other team's uh, ascendancy to the throne there. Yeah, it would be wild. And I, I read a, a what what is it, a four-team playoff that is being proposed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be super interesting. You know, it's very much MLS-like, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's going to uh, decisions are going to have to be made very quickly. So that that's the thing that, you know, is being forced in, in every kind of different part of part of the world and part of society by by what's currently going on is decisions are needing to be made very quickly. And it's the same with Syria. We'll see, you know, how they try to structure this end to the season if, if there is an end to the season. Do you know if um, contrary to the um, to the thoughts about the top of the league and the playoffs are they talking about anything around the bottom of the league obviously they're they're not confirmed teams for relegation i would imagine yet yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure if it's going to be a similar thing on the bottom of the league i mean you you could very oh well how would you do that exactly because you have to have three teams going down right yeah i don't know i yeah that that wouldn't work at all so no i'm not sure i they probably honestly haven't even 
they probably have talked about it, but a bigger fish to fry at the moment, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Um, on to our second question. Rich from England. Um, he's asked us, knowing Spurs, they probably won't buy lots of players in the summer transfer window. I think that's fair historically. Uh, as a result, do you think Harry Kane will stay at Spurs? And what can their fans expect from their team next season? Rich, whose girlfriend, Leanne, is a Spurs fan. Oh, okay. All right. So a close to home question from Rich here today. Uh, I do think that Harry Kane stays. I, I think that coming off an injury, his his you know sale value will not be as high as it may have been uh, a year ago. And also, we'll have to see what happens you know with Euros uh, if there are Euros. So uh, that always affects the the price of a player if they perform extremely well or if they you know wildly uh, underperform uh, in in that tournament. Uh, so I, I think Kane stays. I don't think he has a reason to leave right this moment. I, I again don't think the price will be um high enough to, to really entice spurs to, to want to sell their talisman in terms of things that their fans can expect next season i think it largely depends on you know what jose Mourinho tries to do this summer if he tries to if he if it does look like he's constructing kind of a team that that fits any certain mold or if he's just firing from the hip which it looks like he might do um, based on just how he's been acting recently uh I, I think that spurs though you know they need to keep their key players they need to keep son they need to uh you know really um build a team that involves Bergwijn uh heavily as he has proven to be uh really a promising young player since coming over in, in January. So I think that there is weird, like weirdly enough, I think that there's reason to be somewhat optimistic for Spurs, but I, I think that it will take a lot to, to really kind of fill in the gaps. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was a long rant, but I, I think that <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be a really interesting summer for Spurs because you could also have a number of outgoing players, Alderweireld and Vertonghen, both two players who almost left last summer. So yeah, it, it's going to be big. You, we could see a very, very different Spurs team next season than we do right now. Yeah, I, I think I will, it's especially defensively. I think that's where they'll probably strengthen um, when they do. I think it's when they do, not if they do. Um, Daniel Levy would not bring in Jose Mourinho if he didn't plan to give him some money to spend. He already has with Bergwijn, to your point. Yeah, exactly. So the question is, yeah, how, how does Mourinho try to reconstruct this team? Because it, it does need some sort of reconstruction, I think. Yep. That's a good point. All right, thanks mm. for the question there, Rich. Yeah, I appreciate that, Rich. All right, so on to armchair pundits. Uh, we're, we're going hot takes only on the false nines. Adam, uh, what, what do you have for me today? Um, actually, it's a wonderful transition. Uh, here's my prediction. Jose Mourinho will be gone from Spurs by the end of the 2020-2021 season, so that's next season. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> uh, we mentioned already the open criticism of Ndombele. Um, he, I think he'll get backing, as we just talked about, in this transfer window. But I think he'll overspend, as he did at Manchester United, and he won't find the right bounce in the team. He's One of the things that I've noticed about Mourinho recently is he's not even really parking the bus well anymore. Um, he's, he's had you know massive investment at other teams. Manchester United, he had significant investment in the teams, but he's not really doing the right things with it. You know, bringing Pogba back to Manchester United was a puzzling one for me. Um, I, I just think that he's losing touch with the Premier League and losing touch and, like you said, maybe a little bit of motivation as a manager. This is his last shot for me in the Premier League. Uh, I also think that Spurs will go 
certainly two, if not three successive seasons without qualifying for the Champions League. Mm, yeah, I, I like that. I Well, I don't like that because I, I, I want Spurs to do well. I want my father to be happy. But um, yeah, I, I think that Spurs are in a really weird place right now. And there's not a, there's not a ton of kind of um, you, you know, not, not a lot at Spurs that you can be sure of going forward, uh, which was kind of how it was under Pochettino. You know, you knew what his game plan was. He was building that team from from a lot of young players, and I think there's a lot of you know question marks around around Spurs right now. And I, I think that they're going to have to turn a page to to rebuild it. You're right; it might take two or three seasons to do so. So I you bring up that. a great point there. Hindsight being 2020, do they make the right decision? in letting Pochettino go and bring in Jose? Oof, I think that's, oh man, that's a kind of a pretty complex question. I, I, I'll say this. I don't think they made necessarily the right decision, but I think that it's, it, like, it had to happen. It, it, was, it was only a matter of time. Yeah, he was in a poor, poor run of form. Um, they were it, really it, out of options there. I, I was, understand why it, it happened. It was, it was that, and it was also the writing was on the wall for you know, for a few months, um, for better or for worse, and for reasons that you know fans and, and the people outside the club may never know. I I just feel as though it it was going to happen, whether it was the right decision or not. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can get on board with that. What What do you have for me for armchair pundits this week, sir? Um. So yeah, mine is, is kind of a depressing statement, uh, just based on you know what what's going on in the world right now with coronavirus and just uh, again a lot of question marks. Uh, my armchair pundit today is that no top European leagues finish their domestic seasons before the summer, meaning that <laughs> every single all the top leagues in Europe will either be delayed or postponed indefinitely. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. Yeah, there's not really a lot of soccer. <laughs> there's not really a lot of d- discussion. I just, I don't know. I, I think that I, I'm kind of preparing football fanning-wise for, for a, a summer of minimal, if not zero, uh, professional football to watch. That would be very, very sad, my friend. Um, I, I mm-hmm. hope that we'll still get some, like, no no attended, non-attended games that we can watch over the summer um they're not the same but it's it's at least good to see some sport or not yeah it, w- it would be wild um yeah uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens i'm sorry i had to be a debbie downer there but i yeah i don't know it's it's tough to get that off your mind at the moment you know what though zach we started a couple weeks ago on our podcast a little segment where we did spotlights on other teams worst case scenario my friend we can be spotlights all day Oh yeah, like we should do that for our next episode. I like that. Yeah, Let's get back into it. Some conversations about maybe getting some guests on in the future as well. Mm-hmm. So listeners, stay tuned. All right, yeah, all right. So let's hop in the ten and ninety. Wrap this up so Adam, Adam and I can get some sleep. Uh, yes, Adam, first or second today? Um, I have a random array of questions for you, Zach. Really, no, no theme this week. So you choose. Would you like to go first or second? Um. I'll go second. I'll go first, actually. I'd okay. like to hear your your grab bag to to finish this off. Yeah. So I was struggling earlier on today to come up with questions. So this this will be a great theme for you. It's me struggling. Uh, I read okay. this. I read this stat and I loved it. Atalanta um, of Italy of Serie A have faced seven goalkeepers in this season's UEFA Champions League. They've scored against six of them. Who was the only goalkeeper that they failed to score against? Um, I'm trying to remember who was in their their group. Um, 
I feel like it's going to be a funny answer, isn't it? It's 100% a funny answer. Who's the only goalkeeper they failed to score against? Uh, like, um, who is it? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. The answer is Kyle Walker of Manchester City after Ederson got sent I, off. I knew it was going to be a field player. I, I knew that that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's okay. a great stat. That's a great set. I really like that. All right, number two. What's the? I'll make a guess at this one. All right, you, you you'll have to guess at this one. What's the average mileage that a football player runs in a ninety-minute match based on stats that were gathered last season in the top five leagues? Um, nine and a half kilometers. Get out of here! It's nine and a half miles. Where'd you come up with nine and a half? Wow. I don't. I because I knew because I know that like when when you read about the 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 player who covered the most ground in a match, it's usually somebody around like 11 to 11 and a half. So I kind of deduced from there, but I got somehow I, the American got the measurement wrong. Impressive numerically poor in your, <laughs> by the Sticking fact that I said average mileage and you came up with kilometers was, was, it was not great, Dude, but we'll, we'll just, give you the benefit of the doubt is later. Okay, I appreciate that. What is happening? (laughs) All right, question number three. How many years after the Men's World Cup was founded um, and debuted for the first time did the inception of the Women's World Cup happen? Oh, wait, I know this answer. 61 years. Oh, you knew that. Get out of here. Can you tell me the years? Uh, yeah, the, the first Men's World Cup was in 1930, and it was held in Uruguay, and the first Women's World Cup was held in, or excuse me, yeah, 1930, held in Uruguay, and the first Women's World Cup was held in 1991. I tip my hat to you, my friend. That might be the most impressive answer you've ever given on 10 and 90. That's a, oh. absolutely 100% correct. Yeah, I might not know a lot about current field goalkeepers in Europe, but I I do have a fairly strong world world football history knowledge. So that that was a good, I'm glad you gave me that one. Good stuff. All right, number four. Um, this one's a hypothetical. If you could go back in time and meet one footy legend that is no longer with us today, who would it be and why? If I could go back in time and meet one footy legend, we're going to go under the assumption that we can find a, a, a we, we speak the same language. Um, who would I? Um, I'm going to go with, Oh man, Mar- meeting Maradona in his peak would be nuts. <laughs> that would be that would be insane. That might be it. Just to, like to hear him talk and to feel just like I don't, to feel Maradona's energy when he was at the peak of his career would be something to to behold. I think that that would be it. I do love that answer, but it is incorrect because Maradona is still alive. Um, oh yeah no well i i so so yes fair enough it's still alive but i i mean like turn back the clock like yeah when like meet maradona when he was what 26 or something hand of god era yeah exactly yes that that is true i know that maradona is still alive but um i wouldn't want to meet him now (laughs) i would not want to meet him now at all (laughs) he's very fortunate to still be alive at this point if coronavirus comes from maradona he's got to be a little bit concerned yeah, I I think yeah, Maradona when he was yeah in his prime would be that would be wild. 
Cool. All right. So um, this is my final question. You're going to get a uh, chuckle out of this one. As you know, Zach, I have a five-year-old daughter. She's lovely. Her name is Emma. Um, mm-hmm. I was struggling with questions and I said, do you have a question for Zach for the podcast for me today? She didn't really get it at first. She was like, how is he? Like, is he okay? Are you well? <laughs> oh my God, that's so nice. Of her. She's, she's so really cute. Well, Emma. And I said, no, it needs to be something about football. And she said, okay. And here's what she answered. She said, or she asked, I should say, do you know which do you know which team was playing against Newcastle last weekend? Because Zach was not there. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> oh, oh god, oh, that's that's so real. That's she was so... sad because she wants you to turn up for a game this season. Oh man, wow, that hit home. That really. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that we played Southampton, but that that, that correct that, that doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> Emma, he got it. He got it right. Emma, good job. Oh man. Okay. Well, I will have to. I'll have to turn things around with my my attendance or lack thereof because <laughs> that that really. I'm, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> Emma is keen to see you, my friend. Uh, okay. All right. I will. I will come out of my cave and and show up to watch Newcastle tie <laughs> nil nil against some team as the year progresses. There you go. All right, so oh. last last one for you. Um, again, I have a Welsh word for you, of course, as I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's P R Y N H A W N. P R Y N H A W N. P R Y N H A W N. Yes. Doesn't like sound. I'm just, it doesn't look that. Pronoun. Prinhoun. Very good. Very, yeah. Very close. I feel, okay. That, that one makes sense. And what does Prinhoun mean? Um, does that mean pumpkin? Close. It means, really? af- it means afternoon. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. As you, in you... Prinhoun da. Good afternoon. Okay. All right. I like how you give me context as if I speak Welsh. <laughs> I'm trying to educate you and get you to speak Welsh one podcast at a time, Zach. It's... Yeah, more more people need to be picking up Welsh. It is a, you know, it's an important language. I might agree. Yes. Okay. All right. There we go. Cool. All right. So let, let me run through my five um, before we wrap up today. I don't have a Welsh word for you, unfortunately. Uh, but but yeah, so we'll, we'll go with a, a number of hypotheticals um, and, and just questions that I have for you that I held off during the pod. Uh, do you think Brighton goes down? Question number one. I don't. <clears throat> I think West, don't. Ham, West Ham will be the 13th to go down. Nuts if West Ham went down. Wow. Yep. Um, okay. All right. Uh, do you think Brighton stays up purely on goal differential? Do you think they tie for points with 18th? No. I think they'll they'll probably stay up by at least two points, maybe three. Okay. All right. Um, so question number two: Which player that currently plays in the Premier League do you think will be sold for the highest amount of money this summer? Are you talking about kind of like in general, or are you talking about teams that are relegation threatened? No, 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 like any any player. And they can go, you know, stay in the Premier League. But, like, which which player do you think, you know, has played well enough and is as good a player to, to command a really high transfer fee and also get sold this summer from a team in the Premier League? I have two answers. Okay. Uh, first one we talked about, Dean Henderson. I think okay. he's English. Um, he's a goalkeeper who's in his early 20s. He's got a heck of a career ahead of him. 
I don't necessarily know where he'll go. Maybe it's Sheffield United, but whoever pays for him will certainly pay a pretty penny. He's not ousting David De Gea from that team anytime soon. The other player who springs to mind, I'd be really sad if it happened, is Alan St. Maximin. Mm, wow. Okay. Yeah. I We didn't really talk about that, but he has played quite well recently, and it's it's rumors are definitely growing that somebody's going to come for him. But you, you think he would command that high of a transfer fee? I think so. I mean, we paid $20 million for him, and his stock has certainly risen since then. Yeah, maybe Zaha. Maybe, but he hasn't had a great season. I mean, he had a no, wonderful season last year. He's been, you know, poor in comparison to this. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, I hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, we could. Yeah, Max. Say Maxman too. is a really, really good player, and that that concerns me. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of those rare, rare kind of players that just wants to run at defenders, um, exactly. enjoys it, and you know, <laughs> likes to go past defenders. You don't see that a ton in the game these days. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, question number three, and we can keep this one short. Do you think Euros uh, takes place this summer? No. I think they'll push it back a year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay. Question number four. Will Norwich win another game? I am sad to I, say I, that. I, Do you know I who they've got left? Yeah, I will read out to you. I was going to say, I'll read out to you um, their final fixtures in the last nine matches of this season. So Norwich um, uh, came coming off a, a recent 1-0 win uh, against Leicester in uh, two matches ago. And to finish the season, they have in this order Southampton, Everton, Arsenal, Brighton, Watford, West Ham, Chelsea, Burnley, and City. So a number of teams that are in and around the bottom part of the table. But do you think they get a win? I do. I think there's, there's wins in there for them. Um... I think the most likely candidates for me would potentially be this weekend against Southampton. Now, there's there's yeah. a chance in there. Burnley mm-hmm. by that time will be safe and not competing for Europe towards the end of the league. I think there's a chance at home against Burnley yeah. in their second to last game and potentially against West Ham as well. I don't think they'll do much on the road for the rest of the year. Um, looking at the the games they have left to play, Arsenal, Watford are good at home, Chelsea and Man City. <laughs> I think they're, they're going to be relying on points at home for sure. Yeah, okay. All right, so yeah, they'll, they'll pick up at least three more then. Uh, all right, and uh, to wrap it up today, a fifth and final question. Adam, What? which of these two things will happen first? Liverpool will drop points, so another draw or loss, or Newcastle will score multiple goals in a match. <laughs> drop points? Uh, oh, my word. So here, we can quickly do Liverpool's fixtures, and we'll do this one by one. You don't need uh, to. Do you, Liverpool drops point first. You think so? Yes. <laughs> do you think we ever will score two, two goals in the match? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they're not done with their poor run of form yet. Um, okay. And I think that they will continue to um, not necessarily lose games, but certainly drop points in games. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, and, and therein concludes uh, the 39th episode of the False Nines. We will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. In the meantime, uh, if you have questions that you want to have answered on the pod again, just shoot us an email at the False Nines. That's the number nine, the letter S podcast at gmail.com. And we will make sure to uh, to shout you out. Yeah, it's been a good one, Zach. Thank you very much for um, your partnership as always. And footy. Footy. All right. See you later.